Welcome to the Encourageous Podcast. My name is Angel Clark, and I'll be your host. Everyone goes through difficult things in life, but it takes a special type of person to use their pain to help others. That's exactly the kind of people you're going to hear from here on Encourageous. Each episode will tell the story of someone who not only survived their struggle, but is thriving. Join us for vulnerable, firsthand testimonies that will inspire you to press on. Get ready to be encouraged. I hope you all have been having a wonderful time since our last episode. I just want to do a quick reminder to, if you have not already, whichever platform you're listening on, if you can subscribe or follow or like or whatever option is presented by your platform that you're using, that would be great. Um, Like I've been saying the past couple episodes is that the world has a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. And my goal is to use this podcast to put out some sort of positivity. So I would appreciate if you guys would help me in that area to, you know, spread the word. All right. So enough of that. Um, today I have my friend Sarah on here. And so Sarah, welcome. Hi. Um, if you don't mind, would you just kind of give us a little quick bio about who you are? Of course. I am a lady after God's heart. I'm a wife and we have, um, three beautiful boys and two beautiful daughters Um, as well as two dogs and a new turtle as of yesterday. Awesome. I feel like that's not like a a super common pet. So I love that. Yeah, Um, this has been a new adventure as of 24 (laughs) hours right before school. So, (laughs) Well, lovely. Let me, uh, I'll have to do some updates. Like I'll have to, you know, we'll have to do a turtle check-in or something to like see how that goes. Um, So Sarah, again, thank you for coming on here. Um, Just to give everybody kind of a a warning, this could be a very triggering episode. Um, We are talking about something, it's a very serious topic, um, sexual abuse. So if anybody has experienced that or um, knows someone that has, just kind of keep in mind that this episode could be a little bit hard for you to to kind of hear the information. But with that said, I truly believe that this story needs to be heard because Sarah has taken such a terrible thing and turned it into a positive thing. So if you don't mind, Sarah, can you kind of just share with us how how this all came to be? Yes, absolutely. Um, And I love that introduction because I think sometimes it, people just jump into their stories, not aware that we can trigger someone else. And we definitely want to be mindful. And, um, and so my big message is I've gone through a lot in my life and a lot of beautiful, amazing things have happened, but also some really, really incredibly challenging and um, plain, saying it simple, just not right, just not okay. Um, So one of my missions to kind of share my story is that, um, you know, we're constantly hearing right now that children are being exploited. And I think that that word is kind of a, um, it's almost like, does it actually make sense? Is it registering? Um, Because even in my adult years, I I understand it, um, but didn't recognize what that means. And I I was exploited as a child. I was um, put in situations that, um, that were not great. And so simply just kind of describing what exploitation means, um, for in my story, um, is I was put in a situation where my family was going through a lot and I was kind of unraveling. 
um, kind of searching for hope and for answers, um, trying to connect with my teachers in school. I was a 14 year old, um, 89 pound, very small, you know, little girl. Um, and I went to my friend's house on a Friday evening. I mean, not to go into like too much of the details here, just for, just for the, um, safety of everyone in the group, but, um, I went to a, a friend's house and at that point, um, I was targeted by a pedophile. Um, and so when I say that, and I'm going to use that name for him because that's exactly what he is a predator and he was out hunting on um, this is a grown man. He, um, had every ill intention. It wasn't an accident. Um, and I, I personally was given a drug that took, um, every bit of awareness away from me. So, and the reason why when we say like date rape and things like that, um, I really wanna be clear that sometimes it doesn't seem like what it's going to be. Like sometimes you get involved in something where I knew I was going to this party. I knew that I was hanging around certain friends. Um, I didn't realize at that time the dangers that surrounded me. I didn't realize that people could actually hurt other people. Um, and so at that point, you know, some um, pretty bad things had occurred that evening. Um, and there was witnesses, there were several witnesses to everything that kind of took place. Um, and that was actually more traumatic for the people who witnessed, um, they have gone through their own story um, from what had happened to me, it also happened to them, even though that they were, you know, um, to not, not the one in the bedroom, let me just say it that way. So saying that, um, I think this message is so important that needs to get out. How do we keep our children safe? How do we, um, how do we allow our children to go to parties? What are the warning signs? How can we prevent this from happening? Because I never want another child to go through um, that situation again. And I think first and foremost, we need to start communicating to our children, to our friends' children about prevention tips. Yeah. And using words, you know, saying date rape might not have as much meaning. Yeah. Um, the child will be like, we kind of feel like when you're a teenager, you feel like you're like the queen or king of the world, right? Like you're invincible. Like it's just the biological, it's just the way our brain has been designed and made. And um, when because of that, I think we need to really clear up to the teens exactly what we're talking and, and make it more simple for them and say that this does happen, that, you know, one in, out of five girls, three of them get sexually abused by the age of 18 wow. and boys, one in five boys get abused by the age of 18. Um, it is very real. It is incredibly life-changing. I do know that it has altered my life um, in a way I from there, if it's okay, Angel, can I talk about that a little bit? Okay. Oh, absolutely. I know, I know that after the event, um, and I call it an event because um, that to me is how my brain has kind of understood it. Um, we, it was about four days later that my parents had seen something was really, really wrong. Um, and my mom sat down with me and said, you know, please tell me. And she really persuade, she really kind of came at, after me. So I think, again, on another prevention tip is parents, if you think something is wrong, there is something wrong. I promise you that, that mm. we've given the gift of um, intuition. Like intuition, yep. Yep. And so if there's something wrong, we might not fully understand what's wrong, 
But if my mom didn't come at me in my bedroom and for hours say, please tell me you're safe, you're safe, I promise, you know, um, the, in my situation, I had to go to school with this predator. Um, he was a very popular person. He um, was a lot older than uh, myself. He was actually graduating. And, um, and so there was a lot of um, fear that I had or just trying to push it and put it away and say that didn't happen to me, um, but it did happen to me. And so um, I definitely think that if we focus in on, um, I'm going to get back to kind of what happened the next fold of, of parents, if there's something wrong to, to go after that, you know, to yeah. figure out, to keep kind of chipping away, chisel out the tree until you get to what is wrong and advocate for your children. Because sometimes when we're put in positions like this, um, we might not even one, remember what happened to us, but just know that it did happen or to live with every single memory and thought of it. And it is absolutely daunting and haunting. Mm, um, yeah. And so after, after uh, my mom kind of got the story out of me, um, it, it was like one of the most unbelievable whirlwind hurricane nightmare I have ever lived in my entire life. Um, from that point, you know, investigators were coming to my house. I was being interviewed, a police, you know, police were just constant, um, kind of checking in with us. And I personally started to actually break down. I was, I was mentally not prepared for, for this. And I don't think that anyone that is abused, um, or become, you know, that becomes a victim is prepared for the aftermath and kind of how that all works. And so um, court date was set, there was significant evidence, um, there was significant findings. We're very lucky in my case that our DA in the area took it serious um, and, pro and went to prosecute him. And so the trial began and that was um, at a time during that, I, that was the time where we had to face our um, the abuser. We had to kind of sit in the courtroom. So a lot of rules and laws have changed since then. Um, but at that time, and at that point, I was so mentally not well. Um, I was so fearful. I was so afraid of my social status at school. I didn't want to be known as the girl that, you know, this happened to. I wanted mm. to, I, I didn't want that. And yeah. so we found out through different avenues that if he took a plea deal in this specific, in my specific situation, I wouldn't have to testify. Um, so we went ahead and moved forward with that, which that actually did end up giving me a pretty good amount of closure. Um, and since then, now being a grown adult, you know, and 30 years later, um, and learning so much more and getting involved and really trying to help other children, um, one of the biggest things is that victims should have rights and they should be told that they have rights. Absolutely. Yeah. That sometimes, um, sometimes need, we need to advocate for victims' rights and that they need to be fully aware that if they're not comfortable testifying, if they're not, we can all, there's other ways around the tree that we can look at. Um, so that's really, really important too. That would be like a number three um, tip that I would give today is advocate 
that victims have rights. I mean, as far as even um, how they want it to be reported, they have a right for that as well. So there's many things there that can be researched and, and talked upon maybe at another time, but that that was something that I was not made aware of back then. I thought I had to do this. I had no choice. And really, we, we do have some choices to, you know, as children and, and especially as victims. So that's kind of that in a nutshell, mm. in the fastest way that I could deliver it. <laughs> the synopsis of it, of course, because there's much more, I'm sure you could yes. dive deeper on a lot of what you said. Um, but I actually, I had a question written down here. Um, it says, some of the statistics estimate that as high as 90% of sexual assault victims know their attacker. And so in your case, um, it was kind of your friend who lured you in. Did you actually yeah. know, I mean, before this event, did you know the, the attack, like, the, I don't know what, abuser, that's the word I was looking for. Did you yeah. know him before? Okay, so we went to the same school and the, the school itself is actually rather large. So the ninth grade campus was separated at that time. So it was just ninth grade and um, 10th, 11th and 12th was on a different campus. The person that brought me there definitely knew and was in the mix of what was going on. He was a part of giving me um, the, the uh, date rape medicine. You know, he was definitely a part of that. Mm. Um, he was a part of, hey, drink this water. He was a part of bringing me into the bedroom, mm. uh, you know, things like that. And so, but as far as the actual, um, and, and I have to be clear in my story, there's a lot because of what I was given the drug wise that um, I don't remember. There's a lot that is kind of like, almost like a, a black zone. Like mm -hmm. I, I could sense it. I can feel it. Like yep. you walk in the middle of the night and you know that your bed is there because you don't know exactly where it is. Mm. That's how I would describe this. Um, yeah. And that's been actually, in my case, a challenge, but also a benefit because there's, I'd rather not really know and have that, but then it's also yeah. like, what if, you know, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of unknowns, right? Yeah. Um, in that scenario. So to answer your question, I did not know, um, the pedophile, but I did mm. know who was his assistant and his helper. Yeah. Oh, that's so terrible. Um, and that's something I actually, I have a personal connection to this too, because I have so many family members that I know of six that were abused as children. Um, and the crazy part about my family story is that out of the six people, four of them were abused by a separate family member of ours. Um, different, different people, but like on, cause I have four people on my side and two people on my husband's side of the family. And so one on his side was abused by a cousin. And then on the other side, it was actually a step grandfather. And then the other two were um, a stepdad. So in my mind, that's family. Like if you're, if this person is like, this is your dad, this is your stepdad, like that's considered yeah. family. So that's what's even blows my mind about that is it another statistic, like when I read that, that 90% of the victims know their attacker. I'm kind of wondering how many more it's a family member or like a really close friend or someone that you was kind of in your circle of trust, where in your case, it was not a random person, but someone you didn't have a personal association on a daily basis with. So I'm just wondering how many of the victims it is a neighbor or 
a doctor or someone that they actually know on a personal level. I think that that statistic is actually is so profound. And that is what is the hardest, most challenging thing when we are trying to um, bring awareness to child, you know, to children being abused sexually or even physically. Um, because the oftentimes the predator is admired or loved or appreciated in the family. Um, and they establish this hierarchy of kind of like an important person typically. And so it can be very challenging, especially for victims um, to speak up because they're afraid, you know, they're going to ruin their family or um, potentially be killed because if they were threatened with that or um, will they be believed is one of the Mm. biggest. Will my mom, will my grandma or will my Mm. teacher believe me is a very common. um, I know for a fact, I actually felt that. And there was people in my situation that absolutely said that, you know, I went there looking for that and that I, I deserved that. And that's not how that went down. And so there was definitely some um, ripples from that that were not beneficial. So I would say that for those people who say awful things like that, really also have one on their world, that's not good that they're going to be advocating things like that. Because at the end of the day, if a victim speaks, you know, we, we need to really take them at their word that we always yeah. believe what the victim says. And then hopefully through a court proceeding, we can prove that it did happen. Yeah. Uh, and that's the best way around that. Never. Yeah. It's never proving it ourselves. We let the detectives prove it, but we always believe that victim. Yeah. No, I feel like that's good. Um, Cause I know from, from my, like I'm saying from my family's perspective, there are still people to this day who say, oh, so-and-so didn't do that. The victim lied. And it, you know, and so because, yeah. because the person, like, for example, the, in this case, the abuser, his mom will not, will not admit. She's like, no, no, no. She made that up. Like that's, you know, so it's like, that's definitely yeah. another a whole nother uh, beast, I guess you could say, is victims, when they do speak out, not being believed. That's, you know, I can't imagine, I mean, from the time it happened till the time that the victim told was, I think, 10 years. Yeah. She waited, like, she just kind of harbored this secret for, like, a super long time. And so, like, to be wrestling with that as a child, completely by yourself, and then yeah. finally get the courage to say it only for someone to just be like, Oh, you're lying. Like, I can't imagine what that must feel like. Uh, it's incredibly damaging. I mean, statistics wise, we're looking at psychological math. I mean, mental illness, depression, anxiety, you know, potentially having severe addictions because we can only as human beings, you know, we can only handle so much and we can only keep so much a secret before it starts to eat at us. Yeah. And so a really, you know, a safe, a safe position that we need to believe that if someone is speaking out, <laughs> that's not easy thing to do, right? Like it is one of the scariest things to say this happened to me. I'm sure. It, and um, for many different reasons, even, and also this is something really important to touch on the grooming. So in my, in my case, um, there wasn't like necessary grooming, meaning like buying me gifts or anything like that. So a lot of children get, um, groomed and they don't, they're not even aware that it's happening. So 
grooming can look like um, just, oh, hey, I got you this special, you know, dollar store candy. Um, or I was thinking about you today, or I'm going to pick you up and take you to get ice cream. Um, grooming tactics could be um, just making that child feel safe and secure. So that would be kind of a red flag. If you have a family member that is um, kind of just really loving and doting on that child. And I know that this is a hard thing because we want our family members to love our children. Yeah. Um, but if, but if they are, you know, talking to them at parties or family gatherings, um, kind of separately or handing your child, you know, Hey, here's, um, here's $5 for being a good kid. I would watch that with every ounce of, um, awareness that you could have. I mean, yeah. literally look at it and say, what is going on here? Even if that yep. family member is totally loved by you, because um, that, those, it's definitely real. And it's, it happens to a lot of families that the child is groomed before and that, and that predator, he likes the grooming. Predators love grooming because that to them is like, I've earned this. Like this, it's like mm -hmm. a effort of, I won this. Ugh. So um, grooming is definitely something that needs, you know, more discussion on what we need to find the tactic of what are they actually saying what would be most yep. common and then look for that within our own families because like you're like you're saying a lot of times it happens right here in our home our mm. next door neighbor, our next yep. door neighbor son or daughter mm. babysitting um babysitting is huge females do molest Ugh. females do molest um, absolutely 100%. I think often we think of like old 60 year old men, you know, with, you know, a certain appearance, but that's not, that's not the case. And a lot of children who get abused and it can be a female babysitter. Um, how we would prevent that is we put cameras up. We talk to our children about prevention tips. We tell the babysitter, I have cameras in my house. Yep. Do not be afraid to speak to the babysitter if they don't like it then wrong. there's a reason yep exactly because if they're not doing anything wrong there should be no they shouldn't be protesting that they should be like okay whatever you say yeah. um, no that's absolutely a good good point um but so i guess my first something i just want to say real quick is like thank you for sharing your story because i know yeah. um, sharing your story face to face or like in person is one thing but to broadcast it on like a public platform such as this um that's definitely very brave of you so thank you but i know it's going to help a lot of people um so something that i really love about your story is that you now take your experience and you help others who have been victimized so can you kind of talk a little bit about your counseling ministry oh yeah absolutely so um i was derailed after the incident um, that happened in my eighth grade coming into ninth grade summer, I was, I was absolutely derailed. Um, and I, it took a long time in high school to find myself. I ended up um, getting pulled out of, I had to go to four different high schools. I was moved across the state because my family wanted to protect me. Um, there was a lot of upheaval and change and that created kind of a riffle. And it wasn't till I had graduated high school and I met a counselor that just sat with me, that just listened to me. And she didn't really as much offer so much advice, but she was just there to say, hey, like, it's going to get better. And that really, truly um, inspired me to get into the work of helping teenagers and young adults. Um, 
And now I'm passionately um, eager to help them. I'm passionately about, I'm passionate about um, connecting with teenagers that are troubled, um, that are going through situations like maybe their parents are getting divorced, or maybe they are um, poverty stricken, or they have um, severe depression, anything that kind of would signal this child could be more of a risk at to be harmed and hurt because they're not at their strongest point, you know? So that's where I like to come next to them and, and help know that they, um, that they're safe here are safety measures and just, just building that connection, um, is, is, is my whole dream come true. It's been wonderful. And I'm so grateful to use something so horrible, but turn it into something that, um, I believe this is God's work, and I believe that God is really allowed to help teenagers through because of Him. I get yeah. to do it. That's awesome. I always think about. Um, I think it's Joyce Meyer who says, "Turn your mess into your message, or yeah. like your test into your testimony." I think I love that too because I feel like that's exactly what you did. Um, so, if there's someone who's listening to this podcast right now who maybe either has been abused and hasn't been able to speak up yet, or maybe someone who has been abused and they're still kind of just wrestling with the shame or fear or guilt or whatever, um, you know, after effects, you know, whatever yeah. they're dealing with, what, what kind of encouragement would you have to offer them? Oh, hundred percent. Okay. So if you are a victim, it is okay to speak up. It is okay to go yes. to a counselor and ask a counselor to do it for you. Mm. counselor can get the police involved the counselor can be an advocate for you speak on behalf of you mm. um, if you are not wanting to speak up that is okay you are not a bad person it is not your fault you know if he goes and harms other people it's not your fault and i know that's a message a lot of people say oh we should speak up because then that person harms other people yes that is true however you have to remember as a victim, you have rights. And one of the ways, and I think it's, it is devastating, the shame and the guilt um, and fear, right? Fear of being believed, fear of getting hurt, speak up, fear of, I mean, so many things to be fearful of, mm -hmm. fear of judgment from others. Um, it is so rewarding that when you share, it's like you become empowered and you become the lion and you're the person that hurt you becomes a mouse. You get to eat them. Like you get to reverse it and become in control. And it is one of the best feelings that I think I've ever felt actually knowing truly that um, this, this person has to, has to live with this for the rest of his life, but I don't have to. Yeah. I, I get to be the lion. I get to take charge of my life. And um, that person has a, a severe sickness and luckily I don't, you know, so there's, there's definitely empowerment in that when you do speak up and even if it's speaking up to a close friend, but not having to make a report yeah. or um, talking with someone at church, um, you know, it, it's okay if you don't report it. it, that is okay. And I think that's something else that needs to be heard. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Um, just cause I feel like also, um, I mean, there's things that I've held on to for years, not specifically in this arena, but, and just the freedom of just getting it off your chest sometimes is, you just feel like there's a weight lifted off, right? 
Yes. I'm huge. Yeah. It's like you, it's like you can actually breathe again and you can focus again and then mm. it aligned with what your, your purpose might not have anything to do with that mess that was mm -hmm. created or your purpose could have everything to do with that mess and you get to go out in the world and help other people. Um, and that's one of the things that I think that if I do see a teenager that has gone through abuse and it feels like a safe place where I'm not going to trigger her or him. Sometimes I do share my story with them and it's almost like they feel relieved because then they're not alone. Mm. Um, it's a very beautiful thing. So if you have had something happen to you, working with other people, working with other warriors and, and lions and victims, um, it is so beyond rewarding of, of kind of knowing that we are making a difference and helping, you know, this specific child. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I know and that's something even like, I feel like in any arena, I mean, maybe you're a cancer survivor. If you can go minister to other people, it's not just with sexual abuse, yeah. it's anything in life. I mean, yeah. if you, you know, if you suffered with depression and now like by the grace of God, you're recovering and you're doing better, go help other people with depression. I feel like there's such a power in overcoming something and then being able to turn, like, that's literally the whole point of this podcast. If you look at the cover picture of this podcast, it's a person who is standing on the top of a mountain and he's pulling the other person up. And that's literally yeah. the whole point of this is going, you made it through the, you know, you, you climbed that mountain, you almost fell down, like, but you made it to the top and now you're reaching back to help someone else up. And I feel like that's such a beautiful thing. So I love, you know, your whole ministry and what you're doing here. It's awesome. Thanks so much. I'm so excited. So if people, I don't know if you're accepting clients at the moment or how that looks, but if people want to connect with you and to get more information about your services, where or how can they do that? Oh yeah. Awesome. Okay. So if anyone wanted to find us, we are located, um, or what am I talking about? Our business name is Hope Family Coaching. Um, and we are just specialized in helping families face challenges. So we do have, um, myself, I work with the young adults and teenagers and we also have some other amazing individuals that help work with adults. Um, and we have also a special needs unit. So we have, you know, autism um, is, is on definitely something we also help with. So Hope Family Coaching, we're located in Winter Garden. You can find us on Google if you type that in. Um, and that's just the easiest way to get in contact. That's awesome. Okay. Well, Sarah, I just want to thank you again for your time and sharing your story and everything that you're putting out into the world, I think is so awesome. Uh, a quick announcement for everyone. Um, Sarah and I are actually planning here in Claremont, we're planning to do, because we're both so passionate about this issue, we're planning to host a rally to bring awareness about child abuse and trafficking and exploitation and everything. So um, we have a Facebook group, it's called Before It Begins. Um, and it's just spelled the, you know, the normal way of how you spell that. And also if you follow the group, you will, be able to get the updates about our finalized details, such as date and time of the walk. So yeah, all right, well, thank you everybody and we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Encourageous Podcast. I hope today's story left you feeling encouraged and inspired. Come back every other Thursday for a new episode and be sure to subscribe. Your support makes a world of a difference, especially for a new and bi-weekly podcast like this one. 
If you want to connect with me on social, you can find me on both Instagram and Facebook at The Encourageous Podcast. Until next time, stay encourageous. Thank you.